Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In this economy, are you making the money you could be making? Welcome to High Yield with your hosts, Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. The old ways don't work anymore, so let Frank and Dave help you find new high-yielding opportunities. You can start by tuning in for the next hour. Now, here's Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. Welcome, everybody, to High Yield, the show that's devoted to showing you the routes to success in a troubled America. I'm Frank Rolfe, and today we're going to be talking about how to make money with billboard signs. Yes, those things you drive by every day along the highway but don't think much about. Today we're going to, we're going to think about them. We're going to talk about them and how those may be your route to success in this lousy America we live in today. But first, I'd like to give you an, an inspirational story of a guy who took a different path during, during a recession time uh, in search of a high yield. And I'm not even going to tell you his name because I don't think a lot of people know the story. And even though the guy's a household name, uh, I think you may be a little shocked at who the person is in the end. Uh, so here goes. There's a guy, and he's working in a fairly successful barbecue restaurant, but his life is going nowhere. He's a, uh, you know, he's a manager of this little barbecue restaurant, it's never going to grow. He'll never make any more money. He doesn't make enough money to really live the lifestyle he wants to live. He's married, has several kids. And the guy that owns the barbecue restaurant also owns, down the street, an abandoned building that at one time housed a chicken restaurant. And the chicken restaurant was, was kind of a novel idea at that time in history. The barbecue restaurant, that had a, had a good following Chicken restaurant, however, was not at that point in American history something that people really were much wanting to buy much chicken. So this guy that owned the barbecue restaurant had opened it up. It had failed. He'd shut the doors. So this guy, who I'll just call Mr. X, Mr. X goes to the guy with the uh, who owns the barbecue restaurant and said, "Hey, you know, you know, I drive by every day that abandoned chicken building and." Let me ask you this. What, what if I tried to reopen that failed chicken enterprise, and if I can get it done, I would have some equity in the business? Well, the guy that had opened the chicken restaurant was so turned off to the whole chicken idea and was feeling really bad at all the money he had wasted on the chicken idea that he said, I'll tell you what, if you can get that chicken thing off the ground enough to pay me back what I spent on the building and the remodeling and buying the chicken recipe, <clears throat> I will let you have it for free. 
so the uh, the the guy says, "Okay, I'll I'll take it." So he he walks off his stable job as the barbecue restaurant manager, and now steps into a new, very unstable future as the potential owner and definite manager of the failed chicken restaurant. So the first thing he has to figure out is what he's going to sell. So he he tests different side dishes and things, and he comes up with the idea that it'll be fried chicken, mashed potatoes with gravy, coleslaw, and a roll. He comes up with that idea. Then, to make it look kind of novel, he decides he will sell the chicken in a bucket. Uh, you know, he thinks that that would be kind of neat. I think he gets the idea from like popcorn to the theater. So now he's decided he will sell the chicken in in a bucket, which he's going to paint red and white striped. Then he decides to make the sign out front interesting. He puts the red and white bucket tilted at an angle with it spinning, with the name of the the restaurant. And because he can't really afford, since he doesn't get paid anymore from his salary at the barbecue restaurant. He's basically burning down his savings, and he and the entire family move into the back of the chicken restaurant. So if you can picture this, you have a chicken restaurant with the kitchen, and then in the area where there's like an office behind the kitchen, he has a family living there. Certainly would not meet probably modern health standards, but this is decades ago. And lo and behold, he operates that restaurant, and he puts all of his time and energy into it. And even though it appears impossible... Slowly but surely, he builds a following of people who like the fried chicken and the coleslaw and the mashed potatoes with gravy and the dinner roll. And suddenly, he's starting to sell buckets and buckets of chicken. And the long and the short of it is he is able to buy the building, pay the guy off, own the restaurant. Then he goes out and starts building more of these restaurants. Now, you probably already guessed the restaurant because, yes, the restaurant is Kentucky Fried Chicken, but you're probably not going to guess who that guy was. Mr. X was, in fact, Dave Thomas, who most people know today is the founder of Wendy's and are unaware that he originally was was fairly much the, the founder of the Kentucky Fried Chicken Chain. Uh, you know, he, he basically, using the recipe of Colonel Sanders as the guy that concocted the the different side dishes and the marketing and built it into what it is today. Most people do not realize he had that that early career. Now, the you know the Wendy's story is not quite as inspirational because when he started Wendy's, he was already a wealthy guy from selling off Kentucky Fried Chicken. So his mission was to build a better fast food burger, but it wasn't quite as good a high yield story because he wasn't trying to pull himself out of a rut or battle the recession. He was really trying to battle boredom uh, with this new idea of making a better burger. So the Wendy's story, although interesting isn't quite, to me, as interesting as the early Dave Thomas there battling it out, you know, building the concept of what is now Kentucky Fried Chicken. In fact, you know, you can buy the book or get the book. They used to sell, give it away for Wendy's at free. It was called Dave Thomas My Way, I believe. <clears throat> but, but what always struck me about that book was the fact that we all know the Dave Thomas Wendy's story, but for some bizarre reason, no one ever promoted or marketed much uh, the chicken story, which... I found, you know, equally or more more interesting. All right, well, as you probably know, Dave Reynolds and I are the 20th largest owners of mobile home parks in the U.S., but before that, something most people do not know is that I was the largest private owner of billboards in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we're going to devote today's show to that remarkable industry of outdoor billboards and where the high-yield opportunities are in it for you. 
In fact, we titled the show basically how how to retire on fifty thousand dollars of old wooden billboards, which is a true statement. And today on the show, I'm going to show you how you can build a retirement income. You can build much more than a retirement income using some different things that you drive by every day that you didn't know what they are or how they work. But if you know how they work and you, you use your brain and, and some energy uh, and have a little bit of luck, uh, you, can, you can basically do an end, ra- end run around all those folks out there who have saved up hundreds of thousands of dollars or even a, a million dollars but are now saddled with the fact that CDs are paying 1%. And you can actually do better in retirement starting with zero if, if you know how to do it. And that's what the High Yield Show is all about. So that's what we're going to cover today. Uh, let me also start off just a real quick intro on how I got in the business and just get that out of the way so at least you know my qualifications on it. Uh, you know, I, I went to college. I went to Stanford, and I got an economics degree. But I also took extra courses, and I got out a year early. So I was on a four-year program, but I got out after three years. So when I got out after three years, I was a year ahead of all of my friends, and I had basically kind of a year to kill. And I had decent grades, had roughly a B average approximately. But, you know, back then, this is back in the in the – late 70s, early 80s, it was very popular at that time. If you were not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, you would try and get an MBA. So if you're going to get an MBA, well, by gosh, you're going to try and get in as good a school as you can. So what I did was I I pondered, how can I get into a really good MBA school? And uh, someone said, you know, what you ought to do is start a business for a year because business schools love that kind of stuff on the application. So you wouldn't just be a guy with a B GPA from Stanford. You'd be a guy with a B GPA from Stanford who had also started and ran a business for a year, and they would look very favorably on that. Well, that sounded pretty smart to me. I thought, okay, that, that's, that's really a good idea. That's what I will do. So then the problem became, what kind of business would I start? Well, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm a college student. I'd done some summer jobs at an ad agency. So I just started calling up various adults I knew and said, hey, if you had to start a business for one year, what would you start? Well, the best answer I got was one of my old bosses from uh, my stint at a summer ad agency job. And he said, without any hesitation, oh, I'd go build some billboards. I had never thought of billboards. I didn't even know really what billboards were. But what the heck? I thought, okay, that's the best answer anyone had. I will go do billboards. So basically starting from nothing, no, no training, no idea what I was doing, I went around trying to build billboards. And <coughs> obviously with, with no training, it was a little more difficult than it would have been if, if someone had bothered to tell me how it worked. But unbelievably, at the end of the first year, I had built three billboards, big steel monopole billboards. So now what do I do? I've got these three billboards, and it's time to apply for business school and I think, well, you know what, three is, is okay, but three is not that impressive. Now that I know what I'm doing, I'm going to go ahead and go, try and go one more year and try and get up to ten. Because I'm thinking ten, now that would be impressive to a business school that you could start from scratch and, and, and put together and build and operate ten billboards. So for the second year, I go out there, and, and at the end of the second year, I've, I've got more than ten billboards. And you can now guess the end of the story. Each year I procrastinate. Give me just one more year. Well, after 
three or four years of give me one more year, the whole idea of getting an MBA went by the wayside. And I just continued to go out there and build and rent these billboards. It really wasn't an, an end goal in it. It wasn't you know my dream to have a certain number of them. I was just building and renting billboards because, hey, that's what I did. So I uh, kept kept on going. Then next thing you know, we hit the ni- late 1980s Texas recession depression, and I go from not only building billboards to buying billboards at a penny on the dollar from you know bank foreclosures. So now I've got you know uh, two businesses going on. I'm I'm building signs and I'm buying signs cheap, and just keep on doing that, building those signs, buying those signs. Well, when the smoke finally clears, I'm up to 300 billboards. And minding my own business one day, I get a call from uh, Universal Outdoor, which had just gone public. And the next thing you know, uh, they have bought me out. So I've gone from uh, basically, you know, scratch, zero, uh, one year early out of college to building up all these billboards and selling them out to what is now Clear Channel over about a 15, 16 year horizon. So. You know, the billboard industry is something that that I I know very well because I basically devoted my life to it for about a decade and a half. And so on today's show, we're going to go over lots of the different things that I've learned during that decade and a half run, not to mention all the things I've watched since that time. You know, I still get lots of calls from from consultants and people on the industry because, in my opinion, once you know something, you should keep on following along with it because it's a lot of information that's lost. So today, rather than lose that information, I'm going to try and impart to you how to to find a high-yield opportunity in billboards and how to build a real nice retirement and not a whole lot of money using billboards. And we'll be going uh, right back into that here after the break. And again, thank you for uh, being here on High Yield, and we'll be back in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for the highest yielding niches in real estate, then go to Commercial Real Estate University at CREUniversity.com. This website is devoted to exploring the few niches of real estate that can still generate 20% plus returns on your money and offers you college-quality courses on how to locate, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate the hottest sectors of real estate today. Mobile home parks, billboards, RV parks, and self-storage. All of the materials are written and produced by Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds based on their experiences in over $150 million of real estate bought and sold. If you're looking for real estate investments that make more than low single digits, and if you're looking for 100% facts with no sales pitch, then go to CREUniversity.com or call 800-950-1364. That number again is 800-950-1364. Or visit the website at CREUniversity.com. The affordability gap in this country is considerable. There are simply not enough affordable places to live for the millions of lowest-income households. Jeff Mueller of Marcus and Millichap is one of the nation's top manufactured housing community brokers. As a specialist in the manufactured housing industry, please contact Jeff Mueller to help capitalize on the growing demand of affordable housing. 
Whether you're an investor looking to achieve double-digit returns or an owner considering expanding your position through a tax-deferred exchange, Jeff Mueller can help. Please call Jeff at 303-328-2049. That's 303-328-2049. Hi, I'm Kurt Kelly, President of Mobile Insurance. Mobile is a specialty investment property insurance agency. Parks, self-storage facilities, rental properties, commercial buildings. We offer the coverage you need, explained clearly, and low rates. Call us at 800-458-4320 or visit us at mobileagency.com because we understand how to insure investment properties. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to High Yield with Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. If you have a question or comment about our program this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can send an email to frank.rolf at gmail.com. Now, back to High Yield. Welcome back to High Yield. This is Frank Rolf, and today we're talking about the billboard business. I know it sounds a little odd to many people. They're thinking, what the heck? Why would we want to? spend an hour on the billboard business. Well, trust me, if you listen to what I have to tell you, you'll be thankful that you did spend that time because I'm, our goal today is to show you how to build a decent-sized retirement income on not very much capital uh, as long as that's invested in, in the outdoor billboard industry. And let me tell you real quick why I, why I like the billboard business. You know, as many people know, I'm in the mobile home park business today. I love that business, but I also also love the billboard business. And uh, let me tell you why that is. First off, it's supply and demand. As you know, I was an economics major at Stanford, and at least one thing I remember from those days is the concept of supply and demand. And many people do not realize that billboards are fully regulated by the U.S. government, so that supply is capped, so to speak. There can only be a very finite number of billboards in the U.S. as required by the U.S. government under the Highway Beautification Act. So, you know, when you see that billboard along the highway, that billboard is not just randomly there. It isn't something that, you know, the guy next door can build or the guy across the street. Billboards are only allowed in certain zonings and certain spacings in the U.S. So there's, there's extreme restriction on supply. As a result, you know, the, the demand and supply formula is a little out of whack. The demand goes up constantly for billboards, but the supply can't go up to meet that. Now, that's not to say you can't build new billboards because you can, but you can't build them except in those certain zonings and spacings. So effectively, like any good business with supply and demand issues, owning them is a great idea because there's, there's restrictions. There's, you know, there's not much money in things where there's no restrictions. You know, if you're out there selling some product and anyone can sell the same product and you've got nine neighbors selling the same product, really hard to make any money because everybody ultimately drops their price and saturates the market. But, you know, businesses that have that supply and demand problem, which is why I like mobile home parks as well, you know, when you have a supply that is effectively capped and a demand that's growing, that's always a great situation. So that's reason number one I like billboards. 
Reason number two is it's the most cost-effective form of advertising there is. It's got the lowest what they call cost per thousand, and that term is called CPM uh, for those in the advertising business. And, And what that means is billboard advertising is very, very affordable for advertisers, and that makes it really effective in a recession like we're in right now. You know, a typical billboard on a highway here in Missouri where I live is $500 to $1,000 a month. Well, at the same time, if you look at the cost of advertising on a newspaper or advertising on TV or any of those other options out there, you'll find that that's really cheap. So it's a great recession-fighting form of marketing. Uh, The next reason I love billboards is it's the only point-of-purchase type of advertising in existence. And by that I mean it's the only thing out there that you can use the words exit now on. You know, when you're looking through that new that, that magazine and you come to the ad for, you know, the McDonald's McRib sandwich, you know, you, you can't time that someone will be looking at that page in that magazine at the very moment they are passing by a McDonald's and therefore would immediately say, ah, I will get my McRib now. So billboards have a unique feature because not only do they offer content, the ad itself, but they also tell you, hey, you want this? It's right over there. It's it's the next exit. It's exit number 150. It's exit now, whatever the case may be. And that makes it very, very meaningful, very, very important to most advertisers because what's happening is those customers are at that very moment the most prime customers he has. You know, on, on, a, on a highway doing 100,000 cars a day, going right by that McDonald's, those cars on that highway at that exit between the hours of 11 a.m. and probably 2 p.m. are the best customers, potential customers, that McDonald's has. They are more valuable to him than anybody else because they are right there at striking distance. All they have to do is exit, get in line, and order the hamburger. As a result, people, when they, when they find a sign that they like, they will tend to renew that sign forever. So uh, it's, it's, that, it's that exit now situation that makes billboards so darned unique and so valuable to advertisers. You probably have seen these new logo signs that have been built on most of the nation's freeways. Why are they there? It's the exact same theory, right? You know, one, of, one of the big assets in marketing is to be able to get people at that moment when they are hungry to your restaurant or at that moment when they are tired to your motel. So billboards are the only form of advertising that can tap into that. Next reason I love billboards, and I loved them back then and today it's even more true, is you do not have to draw an audience like you have to on radio and TV and and such to get people to see your ad. If If you own a newspaper, what are you really doing? Well, you're really producing all that content. You hired all those editors and all that, and you're writing all these articles and things, but really all you're trying to do is get people to buy your newspaper so that you can sell advertising in your newspaper. So most people out there who are trying to have an advertising business, they spend all of their heartache and time and worry trying to provide the content to get you to look at it in order to sell the ads. So, you know, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier, a whole lot cheaper, a whole lot more effective not to have to create the content but to force the people to look at the ads? Well, it would, but the only one who can do that are billboards because billboards don't ask you to look at them. You know, you're driving down the highway, you have nothing else to do, 
you're going to look at those signs, but they don't have to produce any programming. They don't have to produce any articles. They don't have to produce anything. Where, where that's really come into play so, so much recently is there are so many different things competing for your time. Right now, as you're listening to this show, you could also be watching a video on YouTube. You could be doing a number of things, listening to, to music on your iPod. So it's a very competitive world, much, much more today than it was back, back when I was first in the business. And as a result, billboards now have a great, huge advantage because they don't have to compete. Their, their market is fixed. When you're driving down the highway, there, there's nothing else you can do. You could listen to, to your radio in the car, might talk on your cell phone, but visually there's nothing else you can do. You can't, you can't be watching a YouTube video and driving, at least you, you shouldn't be. So uh, the fact that you don't have to create all that content makes billboards very, very efficient. It's a very, very low cost of operation. If you're a TV station, you have to write all that content to get viewers, so you're spending millions of dollars producing programs like Two and a Half Men or that type of thing. But billboards don't have to do that, so that's another reason I love the business. The final reason I love the business <clears throat> is it's not affected by the Internet. And, and where I'm going with that is there are so many forms of advertising that have been decimated by the advent of the Internet. You know, uh, newspapers. I mean, who, who takes a newspaper today? I don't. I, I just look at the, uh, my news on MSN.com and save myself the, the time and trouble of subscribing to the local newspaper. And even more importantly, I get real-time news whenever I want it. So you have the Internet changing so many av- avenues and venues that people used to use to spend their time. And billboards, however, are not affected. It's one of the few things out there that the Internet has had absolutely no effect on whatsoever and you know if you assume the internet is here to stay which i certainly do uh it's nice to be in things where technology doesn't suddenly jump in there and bite you when you least expect it so if we're all in agreement that billboards are a great industry let's talk now where are the opportunities right my premise on this show was how to show you to make a nice retirement income on you know not a lot of of signs so how does that work well let me go over the different opportunities there are in the uh, the billboard business. And let's start off with one of my all-time favorites. It was my favorite back when I had my sign company. It's my favorite today, and that's the old-style wooden billboard. Now, you pass by these things all the time. They're made of telephone poles and plywood with the vinyl ads stretched around them. But you probably never thought about what the economics are on those or how that works. And so... What I want to do here is, is kind of show you, you know, how to make money using these objects that you pass by every day but don't really think much about. Now, here's how wooden billboards work. Wooden billboards are the original version of the outdoor industry. Before there ever were steel signs and LED signs, there were the wooden signs. They were started to be built right when cars were manufactured back in the teens and the 20s. And it's a very simple process. You, you put some telephone poles in, some wooden stringers across those, and you nail plywood to those stringers. So they're very inexpensive to build. <clears throat> Yet they're very, very efficient in delivering a fairly large ad message. And so they work perfectly fine. Now, a typical wooden billboard rents per side <clears throat> on, for maybe two or $3,000 per year paid in advance. At least in my little town in Missouri, that's how it is here. So a typical wooden sign with two sides would have Four to six thousand dollars a year of revenue. 
on the cost side, traditionally on billboards, you pay out about 20% in the form of ground rent, and then you would have additional costs of insurance and taxes, but not very much because wooden signs are traditionally non-lighted. So let's say out of out of that 4,000 of revenue, you have roughly $1,000 of cost. So you make about $3,000 per year with that sign. Well, that's not super impressive until you look at what it costs you to create that 3,000 a year of income, which is it might, you might build that entire sign for three to five thousand bucks. So let's do some quick math. Let's say you went out and said, you know what, I'm going to go build ten wooden billboards at a cost of thirty thousand dollars. Well, you know that thirty thousand dollars could yield thirty thousand dollars to you in annual income. So think about that for a moment. To make thirty thousand dollars a year in income in the bank at let's just say 3% interest, you'd have to have a million dollars in cash in the bank to match that income. And we're going to go to break here, and then after that I'm going to give you five or six additional ways that you can build a nice retirement income on billboards. Again, this is Frank Roth here at High Yield, and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for the highest yielding niches in real estate, then go to Commercial Real Estate University at CREUniversity.com. This website is devoted to exploring the few niches of real estate that can still generate 20% plus returns on your money and offers you college-quality courses on how to locate, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate the hottest sectors of real estate today. Mobile home parks, billboards, RV parts, and self-storage. All of the materials are written and produced by Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds based on their experiences in over $150 million of real estate bought and sold. If you're looking for real estate investments that make more than low single digits, and if you're looking for 100% facts with no sales pitch, then go to CREUniversity.com or call 800-950-1364. That number again is 800-950-1364. Or visit the website at CREUniversity.com. Hi, I'm Kurt Kelly, President of Mobile Insurance. Mobile is a specialty investment property insurance agency. Parks, self-storage facilities, rental properties, commercial buildings. We offer the coverage you need explained clearly, and low rates. Call us at 800-458-4320 or visit us at mobileagency.com because we understand how to insure investment properties. The affordability gap in this country is considerable. There are simply not enough affordable places to live for the millions of lowest income households. Jeff Mueller of Marcus and Millichap is one of the nation's top manufactured housing community brokers. As a specialist in the manufactured housing industry, please contact Jeff Mueller to help capitalize on the growing demand of affordable housing. Whether you're an investor looking to achieve double-digit returns or an owner considering expanding your position through a tax-deferred exchange, Jeff Mueller can help. Please call Jeff at 303-328-2049. That's 303-328-2049. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to High Yield with Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. If you have a question or comment about our program this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to frank.rolfe at gmail.com. Now, back to High Yield. Welcome back to High Yield. This is Frank Rolfe, and today we're going over billboards. There's things you drive by on the highway but have no idea how much money they make. We've been talking about wooden billboards, which is always one of my favorite types of billboard. It's the the old original style, some telephone poles, some plywood, right there on the road. And those things make anywhere from three to probably $5,000 per year of income. Now, it's pretty easy income because those things are traditionally only rented one time a year. So you only have to find an advertiser one time a year. And they're often paid in advance, so you don't even have to worry about collecting the money. So wooden billboards are one of my favorites. I'll give you one story of, of wooden billboards, uh, or two stories, actually. Uh, one story is a guy I know over in Canada who has used the wooden billboard format to tremendous success. He has about 200, or did have, he sold them off, about 200 signs over in Canada. But over right across the river from me here in, in Missouri, over on the Illinois side, uh, is a friend of my wife's grandfather <clears throat> who uh, who was a retired military guy who also started out trying to build just a little retirement income on wooden billboards and has built up about a 100 of them over there on the Illinois side of the river. So when you consider that each wooden sign makes, you know, 3000 bucks a year, 100 signs would be making about 300000 a year. So Obviously, you can take billboard, you know, wooden billboards to several levels. You can do it just as a ancillary side business for, for income, or you can make it into a fairly large business. But it's it's always been a very good, very stable form of the industry. In fact, if you look at most of your big players today and you go backwards on their roots, you'll find they began in the wooden sign industry. Uh, for example, Lamar Outdoor, which is a very large publicly held company. If you if you turn back the clock. It all goes back to a company called White Co., which had its start building wooden billboards, mostly for Holiday Inn. So wooden signs have been around for a long time. The next type is called the eight-sheet billboard. Now, I know you, you all have probably seen this. You normally see it in a city. You're driving around in a city. You'll see a very different kind of billboard than you're accustomed to. It's a much smaller size steel pole, and the ad itself is smaller than what you're normally used to seeing, although it's still decently sized. These signs are about 5 by 12 feet in size. And they were started by the tobacco and liquor industry as a way to reach really more urban traffic. So you'll find these things normally not on the outskirts of town, but kind of exclusively in, in the center of town. And what happened was they built thousands of these units back in the 1970s, and then they changed the laws and the rules, and tobacco stopped advertising on billboards. At that time, tobacco was roughly... 60 to 70 percent of all billboard advertising. So tobacco dropped off of these eight sheets and nobody, nobody knew what to do with them. So most of your big companies, uh, they just abandoned them. So for example, near St. Louis, which is where I'm, I'm, I'm roughly located, <clears throat> there are hundreds of these things in downtown St. Louis, all pretty much abandoned. And what you can do is you can buy these things from those original builders if you can find them for really low amounts of money, 500 to $1,000 perhaps. Or you can often sometimes just pick them up for free from the landowner who's more than happy to let you take the sign if you can reactivate it and start paying him rent. 
it's the same story as the wooden sign. You're talking probably getting a couple thousand dollars a year or 3000 a year in the form of a monthly payment on that sign. So in this case, you're going to find an advertiser, put their ad up there, and probably charge them $200, $300 a month. The economics are roughly equivalent to the wooden signs. You can still probably make 3000 4000 5000 a year per sign. So that hasn't changed, but your actual cost in the sign is even lower perhaps than the wooden ones. If you can find the right H sheet in the right location and buy that for $500, it's always going to be cheaper than spending three to 5000 to build that wooden sign. So H sheets also have lots of potential. Another way to get in the business for very little money, which still has a lot of potential, is back to those wooden billboards, finding ones that are already there but abandoned. You know, if you're driving around, uh, you'll see, if you look for them, you'll see these abandoned signs sitting there along the road, needing lots of TLC. You'll see the poles. It'll have a face. The face is often vacant or may have a piece missing out of it. Those abandoned signs, the key on those is to track down, you know, who owns it and see if you can reactivate it. If you can reactivate it and get it back in service, what have you done? Well, you're back to the same economics you had on that wooden sign, but the cool part is you don't have basically nothing in it. You know, the best abandoned wooden billboard deal I ever did was on Highway 75 north of Dallas. It was a, a sign. Don't even really know who, who built it originally. I took over operation of it from the landowner. When I got there, it was a, a dilapidated collection of poles and stringers and, and some plywood. I rebuilt it, got the ads back on it, and that sign was probably dollar for dollar the most profitable sign I ever had because it ended up renting over time for far more than I had budgeted. When I first put the ads up, I think I was getting roughly $500 on the northbound face and 200 on the southbound face. By the time I sold that sign to Universal Outdoor, I think I was getting roughly 1500 or $2,000 on the northbound face and about 500 on the southbound. So if you think of the fact that the structure came to me for free and I probably had one to 2000 in rebuilding it, and it was netting probably $25,000 a year, I think we would all agree that's pretty darn attractive. And, and so abandoned billboards is my, my third concept for you of ways to make money with signs. The fourth are what are called wallscapes. You, you probably have seen these. These are pieces of vinyl which are attached to a wall. Uh, you may have seen them in a, in a big format in, in your downtown area. You might see a giant Nike wallscape on a big building. You also will see them in smaller formats, in, in smaller markets. And the neat thing about vinyl wallscapes is, again, they're so darned high-yielding. Uh, you know, a vinyl on a wall, you can probably install a vinyl on a wall for maybe 1000 to $2,000 based on its size. And yet you can rent that vinyl for, you know, two, $300 a month. So it's, it's well over 100% return on your investment. So again, wall, wallscapes would be my fourth choice on, on how to make money with billboards. My fifth choice would be flipping leases. Now, now, that is just as the name implies. You're going to go out there, get ground leases, get permits, and then once you have those together, turn right around and sell those off. Now, you might say, well, what the heck is a billboard lease worth? Well, it's worth a lot. Uh, I've sold tons of them o over the years. Uh, the highest amount I ever got on one was $100,000. That's the world record that I ever achieved. 
uh, lowest I've ever gotten was five thousand dollars. I'd say probably the average was anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. So clearly, there's there's really good money if you never build a sign, never rent a sign, but simply locate legal locations, put the package together, and sell it unbuilt. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> it's a it's a great way of making extra money. In fact, what a lot of people do is they do that, and then they use that money to then build the signs, so that in the end they have a, a you know two things going on. They 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 find and sell leases, and they also build their own portfolio, perhaps of wooden signs or eight sheets or something, which gives them residual income as well. So flipping leases is another great idea. Uh, next item is mobile billboards. <clears throat> now, these are a little bit of a departure from your standard billboard. These are normally mounted on a trailer. And I only throw this out because there are people who have done extremely well with it. It's not your typical kind of billboard situation. It's not perhaps the place I would start in the industry, but it's worth considering. Uh, the guys who have done well with it that I know, they don't do the kind of mobile, which you probably have already seen, where you put an ad on a truck and drive it around and around and around. That That's not a good way to make money for most people. And the reason is that those those it, it, it's a great concept, but if you really look at who sees that ad, well, it's only a few cars back behind the truck that see it, plus pedestrians. So most advertisers at this point have realized it's not really a very good way to reach a lot of traffic. The corollary to that, which has done well, is where you take a sign and you put it in a static format, the same as a regular billboard, by parking it in a very high visibility spot. So let's say there's an area of town that doesn't allow billboards but has really great traffic and, more importantly, really high demographic traffic. What you could do is you could mount a sign on some form of trailer. And I've seen it done actually on truck trailers as well as on trailers specifically designed for billboards, and you would park that on the corner. Now, you might say, well, isn't that illegal? Well, technically, probably yes. But there's a huge enforcement hurdle for the city on that type of advertising because they have to find it, contact you, say, get this thing out of here, I will find you. And by the time that normally occurs, many days or weeks have passed. Uh, what a lot of guys do in that industry is they only park those things on weekends when all the city inspectors are not around. And even if you were to be caught, even if they said, hey, what is this deal with this ad on this truck? It's, again, a very gray area. You know, is it just a truck that happened to be parked in a high-traffic corner? Or were you actually out there trying to reach people on that corner? So what happens is most of the time the cities just kind of look the other way, unless you get too brazen with it. So it's another thing you might look into. It's, they're called mobile billboards. And, again, not the kind that you drive around. You know, that burns a lot of gasoline, and, there, and that ad space is very hard to rent. It's using mobile technology to, to create static billboards. The last kind are steel monopoles. Now, I rated these last on my list. So out of, out of seven different opportunities in the billboard business, that came in dead last. And the main reason being it's very, very capital intensive. You, you have no idea how much those things cost as you drive by them on the highway, but a monopole sign today can cost fifty dollars to $100,000. So it's not something you can take very lightly. It's, it's some very very expensive stuff, and therefore the yield is not that high. And since the point of our show is high yield, 
that's the the one of those seven options. That one alone is not really high yielding. Now it can be in the right application. If you have a terrific location in Chicago on the highway, yes, you could still have a very high yield with a monopole. But the run of the mill monopoles that are built just on any old highway or any old surface street, when you really look at the returns, it's not high yield, it's it's more like low yield. And that's not the point of the show. So we're going to go to break again now, and then when we get back, I'm going to give you the action steps you would take to get in the billboard business. And again, you're with High Yield. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. If you are looking for the highest yielding niches in real estate, then go to Commercial Real Estate University at CREUniversity.com. This website is devoted to exploring the few niches of real estate that can still generate 20% plus returns on your money and offers you college-quality courses on how to locate, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate the hottest sectors of real estate today mobile home parks billboards rv parks and self-storage all of the materials are written and produced by frank rolfe and dave reynolds based on their experiences in over 150 million dollars of real estate bought and sold if you're looking for real estate investments that make more than low single digits and if you're looking for 100 percent facts with no sales pitch then go to creuniversity.com Or call 800-950-1364. That number again is 800-950-1364. Or visit the website at CREUniversity.com. The affordability gap in this country is considerable. There are simply not enough affordable places to live for the millions of lowest income households. Jeff Mueller of Marcus and Millichap is one of the nation's top manufactured housing community brokers. As a specialist in the manufactured housing industry, please contact Jeff Mueller to help capitalize on the growing demand of affordable housing. Whether you're an investor looking to achieve double-digit returns or an owner considering expanding your position through a tax-deferred exchange, Jeff Mueller can help. Please call Jeff at 303 303- 328-2049. That's 303-328-2049. Hi, I'm Kurt Kelly, President of Mobile Insurance. Mobile is a specialty investment property insurance agency. Parks, self-storage facilities, rental properties, commercial buildings. We offer the coverage you need, explained clearly, and low rates. Call us at 800 458 4320 or visit us at mobileagency.com because we understand how to insure investment properties. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to High Yield with Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. If you have a question or comment about our program this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to frank.rolf at gmail.com. Now, back to High Yield. 
Welcome back to High Yield, everybody. Uh, we're talking today about billboards, how to make money in billboards, how to build a good retirement income in billboards and not a lot of money, how to even uh, flip billboard leases and, and not have to have any money to get in that part of the business. So we talked how that works and the kind of money you can make in it. I think we're all in agreement it's a great business and has very, very high yields, which is the whole point of our show. But now how do you take that to the next level as far as how do you actually convert that into action steps to get in the billboard business? So we're going to talk about that a little bit since that's equal as important. It's, it's great to have ideas, but you know an idea without action doesn't get you very far. So these are the steps. Now, again, you're not going to learn the whole business in the, in the few minutes we have remaining here, but I want to get you at least going on thinking how it would work and then to give, tell you the resources you can use to try and take that to the next step. The first thing you have to do when you get in the billboard business is you have to define a territory. Now, for me and my old billboard business, my territory was a three-hour driving radius from Dallas-Fort Worth. Within three hours, it would put me in Shreveport. It would put me in, in, a, in a lot of different markets. And so you, you need to figure out your radius and what your territory would be. I'm very comfortable driving three hours somewhere. And the way I look at life is if I go three hours somewhere, I can leave at 8 in the morning, be there by 11, do whatever it is I'm trying to do there, leave and be home by 5 or 6 o'clock. And with my family, because I'm very much a family guy, that's okay. If, I, if I'm gone at 8 in the morning and back by 5 or 6, that's really when family time starts, so there's no problem there. So I'm very comfortable on any business that has about a three-hour radius. Now, if you're not much of a driver, you, you could go with the smaller radius. If you love driving, you could even go with a bigger radius. And bear in mind, the bigger the radius, the more opportunities there are. But first, you have to define that market. Second, you have to figure out what is the best part of that market, because all parts of the market are not created equally. What I tend to do is follow by mapping where are the Walmarts, where are the McDonald's. Also, you can typically get in your state a book. It's a very valuable book from the highway department that tells you where all of the road construction is going. Now, it's not titled where all the road construction is going. What it is, it's, it's a book they produce showing where they are buying right-of-way and where they are making their their they're these giant bids, and the book is produced for guys who build highways, but you can get a copy of that too. What you can do is take that book, and it will show you where the new roads are being built. And imagine this. If you lay out where all the Walmarts and McDonald's are and overlay where all the new highways are going in, you'll find they pretty much match up. That's because Walmart and McDonald's do the absolute best due diligence on where to build new locations based on growth. So they've already seen that book. They already know where things are being built. So follow them around. That's what I've always done. Follow, follow those guys. Don't try and recreate their diligence. Just cheat and use their diligence. So you need to figure out what part of your market is good. In a typical territory, there's one quadrant that is far better than the others. That's where all the action is. That's where you want to focus is on that, on that best quadrant of, of, your, of your territory. Number three, you then want to identify every town in that territory that fronts on a highway. Right, so it's it's one thing to say here's my territory and here's the good quadrant. The next step is, what are the towns that front highways in those quadrants? Bear in mind, in the billboard business, you are only focused on highways and major roads. You do not care about raw land out in the country, so it makes it easy. You take the map and you can basically with a highlighter highlight every time that road passes into a city limits. Those are the cities you will focus on. Next, you'll want to do is get a copy of all their sign ordinances. Every city in America has some form of sign ordinance. 
If they do not, then it, then it defers right back to the state's ordinance. But you have to have a signed ordinance on every inch of highway in America. So you get those ordinances. Then you take the ordinances and you review which ones allow for new billboards and what kind of billboards they allow. You'll find some that don't allow billboards, so wouldn't want to spend any time there. Then the next city may allow billboards, but it only allows billboards that are of a certain size, and maybe it's tiny, and maybe that's not what you're after. But you want to find the ones that are friendly to new billboards. There's, there's some ordinances out there that are very billboard-friendly, no real requirements whatsoever as long as you meet a certain zoning and a certain spacing. Those are the towns you're looking for. Now, the next thing you have to do is you have to look at the state level. You have to get the state ordinance for the state that you're looking in. So if your territory that you've devised is in a couple states, which is possible, for example, where I am down here in southeast Missouri within three hours of driving time, I can be in Tennessee, I can be in Kentucky, I can be in Illinois. And you may be like that too. And if that's true, you'll want to get copies of all those state ordinances that fall in your territory. Now, when, when they created the Highway Beautification Act back in the 60s, what happened was it, it thereafter put the, the burden on the cities to control billboards in the city limits, but it left out what happens in all the county land. And under the Beautification Act in the county land, it falls back to the minimum standards of the Beautification Act as disciplined by the states. So every state has their own billboard laws. You want to know what those laws are, and you want to become an expert at where you can build billboards along the highways that are not in the city limits. That's another thing you, you, that you're going to definitely want to do. Also, in, in some states, you have to get a license. Now, it's not hard to get a license. If you are now going to say, darn it, I listened to the show for an hour, and he's telling me I have to get a license. This is not the kind of license you're thinking. All you have to get to get a billboard license is normally nothing more than an application and a small fee, and in some states, additionally, a small bond, which you can normally get from carriers such as State Farm for maybe 50 or or $100 per year. Not a high hurdle. This is not like being a CPA or getting your, your medical license. This is nothing more. There's no test, no studying, no continuing education, nothing more than normally a, a single sheet of paper that you sign and you send in with an application fee, and sometimes with a bond, which you can very easily obtain, and your license. But you want to make sure that you, you know, if you need a license, get the license because you have to have a license to get the permits. And then basically, once you have all those different features, once you once you've learned where you got want to go and which towns will allow you to go there, then you basically just start working the ordinance. Uh, you take basically a zoning map. You highlight what zoning signs are allowed in and what the spacings are between signs, and you go out there and you start at one end of town, find those missing holes, areas that, that, are, that are legal for billboards but have never had a billboard put on them, and you're in the billboard business. So it's not, it's not a super complicated thing, but yet, kind of like a video game, it takes a while to learn it, and once you learn it, you can really go fast, but you've got to learn how. I would also recommend you go to the website, uh, outdoor billboard, uh, oh gosh, your outdoorbillboard.com. And there are some banners on there for courses on the industry and how to learn it. But again, it's not very hard. So trust me, if I could do it straight out of college with no business experience and do so well at it, there's no reason you could not do the same. 
And again, you know, if you look at the options for retirement and how much money they are now saying you would need, it, it really doesn't work for most people. If you had a million dollars right now earning 1% in the CD, you'd make 10000 a year. I would tell you it's much, much easier to just go build some billboards. It's a whole lot easier to build, to make 10000 a year building two wooden billboards is a whole lot easier than saving a million dollars in cash. So again, this is Frank Roth with High Yield. Today we've gone over billboards, how they work, what they make, how to get in it. And again, we thank you for being here, and we'll have more High Yield ideas for you next week. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to High Yield. Please join Frank and Dave next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great and profitable week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.